Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Revelation Project podcast. I'm here today with Andrea Mosley, who is the woman behind the brand Beautiful Soul. Like you and me, at one time, Andrea didn't realize how beautiful she was, and she spent most of her days allowing everyone but herself to decide who she was and how she should be. After a lifetime of starts and stops, Andrea pursued a master's degree in psychology, which also led her to the world of metaphysics. Since her awakening, Andrea has made it her life's mission to help women in particular remember their beauty. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Monica. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. And I'm so happy that you're here to talk about remembering who we really are. Yes, I'm really, really excited about that. As I know personally in my experience that a lot of times somewhere maybe around being around our, maybe when we're in grade school or so, we start getting messages that just knowing ourselves and what we need to do as little girls that we're not making the right decisions or maybe we're too big or too much or too small. It's always like a two something in front of it and we can kind of begin to shrink and put ourselves in boxes to fit what is right. Like you're too fast, you're too slow, you're too this. And we really, I recall just really knowing, like having a strong sense of knowing within my gut of who I was and how I wanted to live my life. And I kept hearing, well, no, that's not right. Or you shouldn't do this. Or girls don't do that. Or this is unladylike. And that really shifted my perspective towards myself. And I I am here to just help women come out of that and remember who they are because how we entered in the world, how the creator created us with the infinite intelligence that we have within, we are well and we are perfect and we are beautiful just as we are. Yes, we are. And I love that beauty. It's so interesting because when we think of the word beauty or beautiful, yes, that's certainly a message that us girls, women, the females mm-hmm. tend to really, you were talking about the to this, to that, but beauty tends to be often a very misunderstood concept. And that Agreed. is a big measuring stick is like this standard of beauty. So I'd love it if you can define for us, first of all, what beauty means to you, and then talk a little bit more about then beautiful soul. Absolutely. So, of course, beauty meant to me the physical aspects early on in my life. I mean, literally, I recall having someone say to me, Andre, you're beautiful, not just on the outside, but on the inside. And I did not believe the person. Like, I kind of like paused, like, like what is she, what does she mean by that? And just through living, you know, just living life and having experiences, my definition of beauty shifted from the external to the internal. And when it shifted to the internal and just me reflecting on the aspects of myself, 
of how I moved about day to day and what I offered to the world and how I loved and my kindness and patience and, you know, how I showed up. It's like, oh, that's a part of being beautiful. So that's how my definition shifted from the external to the internal. And when it shifted to the internal for me, that allowed me to see and interact with others in a different way as well and see their internal beauty. And from there, everyone became beautiful. And beautiful soul evolved in this work over years and years of time of understanding that the light and the height and the beautiful joy, as well as the depths of maybe what people would seem as the lowest of the low of the murkiest of waters down in the mud, when you have those dark nights of the soul moments, all of that together encompasses a beautiful soul. Um, We are not just one dimensional beings. We have multiple dimensions and multiple ways that we interact with ourselves and with, with others. And we have to learn to integrate all of that together, all of the things that we are to show compassion, grace, and love to ourselves. And that is how we can then in turn show compassion, grace, and love to others and to the world and to mama earth. But if we're always looking for just trying to be light or just wanting to be happy, then we're going to miss and dismiss and bypass those feelings that we can have that are not so great, that are there to, you know, remind us or shake us up or tell us there's something wrong because dis-ease is literally a dis-ease in the body. It's something going on that we need to take a look at, that we need to shift. And that is a part of our ascension process, our growth process. And that's what Beautiful Soul is about. Like, well, how remembering who you really are, that you already have everything you need within you, that you entered in. You entered into this world when we came through the birth canal, the portal. You enter in perfect, wonderful, beautiful, ready to go. And then we went through all this programming that kind of said, mm, that's where all the to this and to that came in, which, oh, you know. Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's where that's where all that kind of came in, and then you then we started shifting, and we kind of stepped away. We stepped away from ourselves. I love the word you just used that the birth canal was the portal here. Yes, and I often talk about the portals back home to self as actually being those messy places that you were referring to. Again, as women, I think oftentimes in this proving energy, that external kind of way that we're always trying to prove our enoughness, we tend to really disassociate with anything that shows up as a mess. And what I've found is that it's so easy because we're so capable and intuitive as women. So like we can sense a mass a mile away, right? We, Absolutely. We're like, oh Absolutely. no, like, there's yeah. a mess coming down the, the, the pipe mm-hmm. and let me just prepare myself to clean this shit up right away. And the thing I think that we're really being called to do as women is to allow the mess to reveal itself because it's in the mess that we're able to really access this beauty that you're talking about. Absolutely. In the mess, you see what we're made of. In the mess, that's where our gifts come forth. That's where your character comes forth. That's where you're knowing of who you are. A lot of times women will say to me, like, I don't know 
what the internal voice is saying to me. Like, I don't know what I need. And I believe that a part of that is because they're choosing to step out of the mess, Mm -hmm. to not dig, not to dig deep. And so that awareness does not have an opportunity to grow and evolve. So they don't get to listen and learn and hear their voice themselves. They don't get to to know themselves in the way that they, they already do, really. I love what you're saying about this not knowing. In my own work with women, that's an answer that comes up a lot. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And there's oftentimes in the I don't know, it is an indicator that there's actually some emotion that needs to be revealed right there. It's because as we kind of drop in, the I don't know is such a protective place. Yes. It allows us to stay on the surface where we feel like we're safe. But I I feel... I really do get that that's such an illusion. And I get trapped too in that place, like where some days when I think like when I'm in the I don't know, it's also kind of this indicator like that if I were really honest with myself, it's that I don't want to get emotional because I don't want to have to deal with all of the things that come out in my emotions, that messy, gritty truth that is, but it hangs out there until <laughs> until we're ready. It's not like it- yeah. It keeps coming back. It just, it continues to show up until, you know, because it's also what we don't realize is it keeps coming back because it's also in a desire. It's a desire. Like we called out and said, I want to do this different. I want to have something different in my life in this area. So we called it forth. And a lot of times we don't understand when we call out, when we set an intention or a prayer, we don't realize that that is how it returns to us, returns oh. to us an opportunity to do some work. And, and that's where the prayer is answered. And so when we don't step into that messiness, into that space, we're thinking that our prayers are not being answered. And the person that's not answering it is, is ourselves. Like, I'm not answering it. I, in a beautiful life, there's no way that I believe that God, the universe, intelligence, however people refer to it, would just not want the best for you. Like, not is not giving you and sending the best intentions toward us through love. I, I so agree with that sentiment. What it also reminds me of is this idea that the mess is actually what leads to two other words I love, which is magnificence and magic. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and really, it's again, it's that portal into those things where everything is available to us. Yes. And we get to really be all of it. And that just because we're a mess it in a moment, it doesn't mean that we're also magical and magnificent. Like it all right. gets to... You're just, both. Yeah. You're it's, magical and magnificent in the mess. In the mess. It all gets to stand together. And, and we have this tendency to say, well, if I'm a mess, I'm not this too. Correct. Right? And that, I believe that's just what some, just some information to kind of like programming just a collective infor- discord that dominant discord that we we were that was given to us like you know for me personally i was raised in a single parent household and so as a survival and protective technique i was advised to not be emotional and mm. that's totally the opposite of who i am to not be emotional publicly 
Yeah, same. To not show your feelings. Don't cry. But it's like, what if I need, I need to cry? Like this hurts and it's uncomfortable. But so can you imagine like moving about in the world and you want to cry and you're in pain and you're hurting and then you're stifling it. Like I'm, you're, I'm stuffing it down. Like I'm holding, I'm clenching my body and holding myself because I don't want to move into that space where I really need to to be well, to be magical and magnificent. I need to move into that messy space, but for a long time, I did not. Yeah, well, nor did I. And there's that, I think it's true that the other piece about this is, of course, where we're at in you know, this pandemic, mm-hmm. the, the mess that's surrounding all of us. And, and oftentimes, I think we can look to it and think, oh, I love that expression, hell in a handbasket. You know, I'm like, where's the handbasket? You know? You're like, I just see the hell. Where's uh, right? the right? Like, Where is the handbasket? I was promised a handbasket. But it's this idea too of like actually really looking at this messy time as perhaps also being an ally to what and who we're becoming. That, that the mess mm-hmm. is the portal into something new. It, it's the mess is the portal into the birth canal. Absolutely. Of this kind of new world we say we want, right? We say yes. we want it. We for say we want sakes, it. But we nobody suck. wants to get messy. Right. We collectively have said over and over and over, Things need to change. Things need to change. This needs to be different. Schools need to be different. Our government needs to be different. Our families need to be different. Our marriages need to be different. Our friendships need to be different. I need to be different. And here it is, the great reset. And we're like, no. Right? The great reset. Here we are. You know, it's it's so true. It's so funny. I, I think I I often remember kind of like, I, I always joke with my husband because my husband is not a big vegetable eater. He's all perfect mm-hmm. in all ways. But I was like, I forgot to be specific about, well, you know, when I manifested this perfect man, I forgot to say, to eat vegetables. And I, I need him to eat vegetables. It's like this. It's like the same thing, Andrea. It's like we, we wanted this, but we didn't specify. Like not all at once, not all at once. Correct. We didn't specify not all at once. We didn't specify like another thing that I like to say is, hey, can I have my lessons in grace and ease? Like I don't need the wind. I don't need the wind knocked out of me anymore. Like I don't need to be brought to my knees in tears. Like I'll learn. I'm listen. I'm aware now. I'll take it in grace and ease. Like I like, so that's one thing. That's one of my mantras that I use, but we, we don't know. And that is part of, you know, like I said, in, in my work with Beautiful Soul, because I also did a lot of manifestation coaching. And that is a, like, are you clear? Like, how did you ask for it? What did we say? So we just said this, we were just like screaming, this is what we want. And we sent out this energy passionately that I want something different. Something's got to change, like crying out. So here it is. Mm -hmm. Here it is. So it is a delicious, wonderful, magic, magnificent, and special time to really be alive because we are creating opportunities and creating the, and allowing the next world for the next generations to come. Yes, we are. We really, I think that is just so, so very much where my, my heart and my, 
my knowing is like mm-hmm. my knowing my knowing knows this even though some days i want to look at my watch and be like come on let's let's go here i know i know right. that all <laughs> we want to speed it along <laughs> right like let's move it move it along move it along like i'm i'm ready to it's like we're really you know to go back to that metaphor we're really kind of in the in the pregnancy where we have to be yes. patient while we're gestating yes. this new world and So I I have a question for you, Andrea, because I know that one of the ways that you really work with women is around relationship. And I am specifically curious because you say something that I, I was like, dang, that is so true. And I got so curious. And it's around why do women with beautiful souls attract (laughs) unhealthy like narcissistic yes oh my god why because it happens all All the the time time. all the time the healthier you are the empath we are going to get the narcissist men friendships wherever it's going to show up and you know what i just decided one day to reframe the narcissist as a gift because you know what the narcissist taught i'm gonna try to swallow that okay Look, the narcissist taught you boundaries. Oh, yes. The narcissist taught you and me. The narcissist taught us how to love ourselves. Oh. The narcissist taught us how to say no. Mm. The narcissist taught us how to get clear on what we want and what we do not want. Because think about the whole time in any relationship that's unhealthy You continue to send up intentions, send up prayers like, I don't like this. I don't want this. This is not what I want to do. This is not how I want to live. And all all those intentions are heard and received. Yeah. So that's what happened with the narcissist. And And at the end of it, when we choose to come out healthy, we are in our knowing. We are strong. We are confident. We are sure. We, are, we have moved into our gifts, our psychic powers are enhanced, our magic rises. That's where I have found that, oh, that's what that was about. Because mm. I was in a challenging relationship for a very, very long time. And a lot of times people were like, well, why didn't you leave? Why did you stay so long? Why were you married so long? But I knew, I knew if I left, I would have attracted the same person. I, like, I would have repeated that lesson until I needed to learn it with multiple different people instead of one person. I just knew that. I love that you kind of brought in the length of time because that's the other, Mm -hmm. that's the other piece. I think as women, we can get exasperated sometimes with our girlfriends and our loved ones when we see them staying in an abusive or upsetting relationship, because of course, so much of our time as women is spent kind of in the in the restoration mm-hmm. of our pieces of self and to kind of it's like she I'm just going to use a metaphor of like she comes out of the kind of the game to kind of sit on the bench for a few minutes and and you're like okay she's going to leave the relationship like, because no. I just like coached her on you know <laughs> and then right. she goes she goes back into the game like to try to change him and I'm like no no, no. And right. And so that's that self-love part, you know, the, the helper and the boundary and the healthy person and the empath, you're the healer. You have to understand and we have to grow to that point of 
I can give and give and give, but that person is not going to change. No, no. And it took me a long time, Andrea, to get the piece about freely being able to listen without being attached to anybody else's need or outcome and to trust that they have their own process and that they have their own answers and that they are their own healer, that it's not somebody else that's going to do the healing work for them. It's not somebody else that's going to give them the magic advice that suddenly opens the heavens of... Of like understanding and revelation, it's actually going to be their own messy, gritty evolution that has to happen at their own time, at their own pace. Right, because we had to do the own gritty, our own gritty evolution. And, and that is also in that unhealthy relationship, the gift to myself as well is like, oh, well, where in this area is your ego just flaring up where in your air in this area is your self-righteousness flaring up thinking like I'm the savior I know what's right here I know what you need to do I know so it was there were so so many lessons and over the period of time yet as there were people on the sidelines like hey what are you doing it was just my journey it was just you know the process of how I needed to learn and it was me like we all know what we need to do to eat right We all know we need to exercise, but it's still the effort. It's still the energy. It's still the courage. It's still the tenacity. It's still the resilience. It's still that boundary of setting time in your schedule to making sure it happens. So it's the idea. Anytime we manifest an idea or create anything, so you have the thought, you have the idea, you know what you need to do, but you have to set up those neural connections. And that means it needs to go all the way through your body. Like I have to feel it. I have to know it. I have to taste it. I have to see it. I have to smell it. I have to have the inspired action of spirit telling me what to do. So it's all of that process that I had to grow into. And before I didn't know that, it was just the thoughts. And then it's like, well, what's the next step? How do I shift this? Because I've never lived in this space before. I've never had these kind of boundaries. I've never had to do this. So there we can tell people and we can expect people and we can coach people. But for a long time, I know out there, there were not, I mean, it's more today, but there were not many tools. There were not many people that would sit beside you with your hand, you know, side by side with your hand and as a friend and walk beside and say, hey, this is how I did it. This is what you need to do. It was just more or less like you need to do this or you know that this is not where you need to be. But yeah, I already know that. Now what? Mm-hmm. And that has influenced as well my work and how I approach women because it's like if we know that like I'm already beating myself up. I'm already upset that I'm here. I'm already mad that I was coached and I, I got out of the game and I sat on the bench and I went back in. Even though I know I didn't want to, but I also didn't know how to exit intact. in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah. Well, and what I hear you saying too is that it's like we can have the thoughts, but our actions have to be aligned. And absolutely. And it's got to be like you said, this idea of really having all of those that creating that neural network that has our whole Mm -hmm. our whole self in mind, body, spirit kind of integrate that information into that knowing that actually allows us to have that aligned thought and action. Right. Because if I'm out of alignment, then I'm not in agreement with me still. So I'm lying to me 
which means that externally others can lie to me and I won't know because I'm telling myself a lie already. Uh, 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 uh. That is so good. And, and it's such another way to frame kind of this law of attraction that I think is oftentimes kind of lost. It, yes. Like is lost. It's this idea of like, imagine continuing to attract all these lies toward us, right? Yes. Or all these untruths towards us because we're not in touch with our deepest truth, our... Correct. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So that's what was happening. So it was just like, oh, well, I continue to stand in this space because I'm not ready to step into that knowing that messy space and tell myself the truth about me. So here I am. So here I am. So I've got a question for you, and I don't know if I'm putting this out to everybody or just you, but I'd love, I'd love to hear, because what comes up for me as I sit here and listen is that here we are in the pandemic, and of course, I'm impatient. I'll just say that right now. <laughs> well, I'm getting to that place now. <laughs> I'm going to raise my hand and call myself out. I am restless. Yes. I am yes. impatient. And I'm like, okay, if it's, if it's unity that we need. <laughs> right. Like, get it together. Everybody collectively, let's agree. Let's get a move on it. And so back to kind of like we've all been thinking and manifesting this experience. So let's just pretend that that's true, right? I'm not saying Mm -hmm. it is or it isn't. But what I'm saying is if our thoughts and intentions and prayers have brought this highly complicated, grief-filled, messy reality into existence and it's showing us kind of all of these places it's yes that that it's showing us all these all these places where our systems are broken Mm -hmm. broken 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 how do we now get into action around doing our part individually and one of the things that you talk about is that it's about going within versus like, yes, yes. We, need, we, need to, we all need to do the work on the outside, but that's, that's not yet. No. Meaning what we all need to be doing right now is the inside interior work. So what is that, Andrea? That is correct. The interior work is looking at your messy parts. Like we need to stop pointing the finger externally and point it, point it back internally. So it could look like if there's meditation or even if you don't meditate, I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves and we're sitting quietly or when we have a moment or space and time, there are thoughts that are coming across, you know, maybe pausing and, and examining some of those, some of those thoughts, like why is this unhealthy thought here? Why do I think like that? Is this how I truly feel? Or is this something that someone else told me I should feel? Another thing is thinking about when we have that dis-ease in our body. For me, when there's something that's not, that's not right or out of place, I have a queasiness in my stomach. See, I know that now. Before, you know, I maybe would have blamed it on food or anything else or something happened. Now I know something's not right here. Again, you know, you may have a headache or ongoing headaches or just something different, but there's something different in your body that's not your norm. So pause for a moment. It's like, why is this here? What's happening? And what will happen is when we start pausing, we will see pattern. You'll see where this happens. This is an area of uncomfortable, a place that's uncomfortable. This is a touch point. 
this is a possible trauma. This is a space maybe where I need to do some work. And when we do our work individually, what happens is you learn to love yourself more. You learn to practice grace with yourself. You're relaxed. You're more peaceful. And when we're individually in that space, well, collectively, we'll start to see that. What's happening is we're looking at each other, wanting others to make a difference in our lives, to make our lives better. And honestly, if you think about it right now in your house or where you're sitting now alone, just with yourself, that's not our external government or anyone you're in relationship. That's just you with you that's creating it. So the other word that I like to use for myself is also sovereignty. And sovereignty is just having some ownership. It's having ownership of my decision, my emotions, the way I treat my body, how I treat others, because that is creating the world I see before me. That is sowing seeds that I'm throwing out around me. So a lot of times what I'm seeing is what I believe. So there's a a shift in my thought process and how I treat myself. And then my world becomes different around me. So that is just one thing that I would like to offer a ritual or a tool. You know, you are your first true love. So how would you like to be loved? Then love yourself in that way and watch that type of love start to show up for you. A lot of times we women don't know how we want to be loved. We can't, we can't, (laughs) we can't say what we really need. If we think about it, you truly have a partner or a friend or someone that says, you know, how can I support you? What do you need today? Or what, what would you like? Most of the time we can't answer that question. And I'm just going to say like when, once I became an empty nester, like here's something simple. I didn't even know where I like to shop. Because I shopped wherever the kids were, went, just to save time. So wherever they bought clothes, most of the time, that's where I bought clothes. Because it was just so many things going on. So when it was time for my own identity and what I wanted to look like, you know, how I wanted to show up dressed in the world, it's like, hey, what stores would I go <laughs> where? So I just kind of... Fascinating. Yes. Well... Yeah. Like if you just think like you're just eating what they eat, like you may eat what your spouse eat, you may eat what your kids eat, you may eat what your friends eat or whatever. It's like, but what do you really like? <laughs> what what cuisine do you like? What we just, we are, we don't realize oh, it's, how yeah. far... We are away from ourselves. <laughs> oh my God. We, it's so true. It's so true. And, and what it reminds me of is like a lot, oftentimes how we're socialized is like to be selfless is beautiful. And yes. it's not. No, it's not. Because then, because again, when you're asked for what you need, so that when we move into the divine feminine energy, the goddess energy, she receives. She gives, but she also receives. So how do you receive when you don't know what you want? So we're receiving what we don't want, and then we're upset, and then we have resentment. And so it's just this all this crazy cycle. Mm. So this reset, this portal that we're in, it's like Mama Earth is saying, hey, what do y'all want? Mm-hmm. What do you want? And I think Mama Earth is also saying co-create. Mm-hmm. co-create paradise with me yes not at the expense of the habitat correct because we really don't want that we really don't because we've we've seen what happens when we don't co-create 
Well, that's and, what, right. Yeah, and well, I, I was lo- loving the expression that is on your website. It says, "Be wild and holy." Mm-hmm. And oh my god, that throws so many people off. They're like, "What I are know, you saying?" But, <laughs> I know, but but let's unpack that because I think it's so beautiful. I, I'll say what came up for me, and then you can tell me what you meant by it. But okay. But, you know, when I look at the word wild, I think about the natural world and I think about the abundance, the wild abundance, like the undomesticated natural world. And I think about that state of being kind of, I guess, uncultivated or in, in the realm of the human, unsocialized, un, mm-hmm. uninhibited. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and then I think of the word holy, and what that means to me is both sacred and yes. whole. And whole. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm whole, okay, and if and if I'm wild and whole, and I'm really treating the wildness of my natural truthful self, my uncultivated, undomesticated, those parts of me that show up messy. Then, and I'm calling it sacred, it all gets to belong. That's exactly wow. <laughs> that's, all right. That's, okay. I'm like, did I get an A on the quiz? You, you did. You really hit the nail on the head. And, and so when there's a reaction to the word wild, that just really says, that's just your perspective. That just tells you where you are and how you hold that. But that is, that is not my intent. It's like, it's your right to be free to, to go into those spaces. And maybe that scares some people to be free. It's holy, it's sacred and beautiful, but we've tried to separate holy as some type of just in a religious type of box Mm. and holy is everywhere. Yeah. Holy, wild and holy is everywhere. In every moment you're having wild and holy moments. Like right now, this moment, this conversation, and that is where you get into co-creation and integrating everything. If you, you could see and appreciate sitting and having a cup of coffee and hearing the birds sing, as a wild and holy moment, a sacred moment, your approach to life, your perspective to life, and how you felt about yourself would certainly shift. Even to be able to, you know, kind of reveal those masses within ourselves and call them holy. Absolutely. To look at our emotions, all of them, all of them, even the complicated ones where we're like in a state of confusion where we're feeling maybe hatred and grief and fear all at the same time. And we just, instead of calling it bad or wrong, we call it wild and holy and just acknowledge where we're at in that moment. It's not about, I think, being perfect. I think actually the more I the more I have these conversations, the more I realize that this idea of perfection or holiness in that rite of religion, mm-hmm. as you called it, is a trap. It's an illusion. It's yes, 
And it's not helpful. And I think that this idea of kind of perfectionism, like even when I look at some of the conversations I've had with with so many of my guests who have pointed to perfectionism as being actually what gets in our way so often as women when it comes to even voting, oh, there's not the perfect candidate. Or when it comes to emotions, it's like, well, those are messy. They're not perfect. Or when it comes to just leaving a relationship that doesn't serve us, it's you know, we pretend to have it handled when I think where the true beauty is is in the vulnerability Mm -hmm. and the leaning in and saying to the people around me, I am in a mess and I don't know the way out. Yes, that is the beauty. That is the beauty. That is the beauty. Like to be able to say, I'm not fine. I'm not perfect and I'm not fine. I'm and not. Like when someone says, how are you doing? And the no longer the standard answer is, I'm fine. I'm not. Like if the tears need to well up in the corner of my eye, I allow them to well up because that is how I feel. And that is sacred. Yes. Any ascendant master that you study has gone through some type of moment where there was there was messiness, there were tears. And when we think about the birth canal and the portal, giving birth is messy. And it's it's hard sometimes and it's painful and, and it's and it's beautiful. That's mm. wild and holy. It's beautiful and we're all of those things. And there's really not, you know, grief, anger, all those emotions that are considered lower vibrational emotions by the world, there's nothing wrong with them. As you mentioned, it is an indicator of where I am. And the most beautiful thing is an indicator that I am alive, that I have feel, that I can feel things, that I'm awakened, that there's some passion, that there's something in my, (laughs) there's some, there's breath in my body. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, I love that you said that piece about being alive of feeling alive. Again, sometimes it's not about, I think, standing on the sturdy trunk, the branch, the solid. Mm -hmm. It's actually about getting out on the skinny branches, about taking some risks and feeling your life. Yes. When you feel your life, And, you know, I'm adding this because I, like I said, as Monica introduced me as a psychotherapist, when you feel your life and you're out on that skinny branch and you're taking risks, then you don't have to take those risks of maybe um, turning to substances or abusive or addictive behaviors because you're fully embodied, you're full in to living what's right in front of you in your present moment. It's really beautiful. It's a beautiful kind of idea, again, that if we were to look at addiction, I've often loved that metaphor. I don't know if it's a metaphor. I don't know what it is, but it's like that the antidote, okay, it's an antidote to addiction is connection. Yes. And really understanding that when we seek a substance, okay, I'm raising my hand here because, you know, for a long time, I was addicted to things that helped me numb out, that helped me to not have to go there. And it was this way of continually disconnecting or keeping the disconnection in place. Mm -hmm. Yes. And part of that connecting to myself is allowing all of what is there to be there and not call it bad or wrong. If it all gets to belong, then there's no need to escape it. 
Exactly. So then there's no need for the additional substances or shopping or whatever else or the food, whatever else. Right. We're not talking about the occasional umbrella drink, ladies. No, I know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We're not. Yeah. No, we we all need a little umbrella drink now and again. Absolutely. No, we're not discussing that. But we're discussing those behaviors that any area that causes you to numb out when really you're, you're absolutely right. There are many papers and studies like it's about connecting. It's about belonging somewhere and belonging to something uh, connecting to ourselves and to our and to our group and again you can it's hard to find your tribe when you're not fully connected to yourself the right tribe you're gonna find the wrong people and the wrong friends uh, that maybe won't treat you as well because they're just they're connected to the energy of where you are and what you're projecting now and that's not really what you want. Yeah, we first have to belong to ourselves before I think. Yes. Yeah, we can belong to others. Wow, that's a beautiful others. circle. Yes, that's a beautiful circle to bring it back to like where we lose ourselves as a young, you know, and as a girl when we stop remembering. So then we don't belong to ourselves. We give ourselves to the world, that selflessness, that serving uh, when we're in that healer mode or whatever. So you just let who you are go. Yeah, yeah. I, I you let her go. Yeah, or or like I, I call it also like step over her or abandon her mm-hmm. in in exchange for something. It's almost like there's oftentimes a silent negotiation happening. It and is. I love Brene's work, and of course, I'm sure you do too. Yes. But this idea of like th- these parts of me are non-negotiable. When, right, and we grow, and that's and that is the work where you get to the parts. What are your non-negotiables? Mm-hmm. And when you have your non-negotiables, then you know what tables you can sit and where you need to stand up and leave. Uh. But until we get to those non-negotiables, we will sit in spaces and eat and and just think that we're enjoying and we're not in joy at all. I I love how I love how you just did that. The enjoy and the enjoy. <laughs> right, and, we're yeah. not in. and then we wake up and we're like, what's happening? Why am I why am I here? And then that's where like the depression can set in and the sadness and the grief, because you're grieving the loss of you. You're grieving that my life is not what I des- what I thought it would be. And, you know, the sadness comes and I can say I lived in that sadness for years and years and years. Oh, I think of like the Garden of Eden. And I think like, Monica, you're the one that cast yourself out of the damn garden. <laughs> you know? But you don't know it. Yet. You don't know. Like, <laughs> what, what, you're out here sitting like, like, like the garden's in there. It's like, well, go back in then. You're the one tossed yourself out. No, but we're thinking like, no, but if they would just, and he would just, and if my Uh, job was this, and if I had this, and if I look like this, then I would be back in the garden. Then I would be back in the garden. like, no, baby, Mm -mm, no. mm -mm. Just walk back in. And it's so simple. Well, and that's where, oh gosh, now I'm like getting chills on my body because I'm close to some kind of like Mm -hmm. revelation here. But I think about, you know, shh. When I think about Eve in this moment, okay, I'm just going to talk this one out loud because it's coming. It's like coming in. Uh, When I think Mm -hmm. about, you know, that she wanted to eat from the tree of knowledge. Mm -hmm. 
And yes. and that how that story goes is like she was tempted to know. Yes. And how that story was told, it's so interesting now that I'm I'm seeing is like oftentimes how stories are told are also incorrect. Yes. But it's this idea of the story was told to keep women from knowing. You know what I mean? Yes, like, it's like, because like, we what don't if? know. Like, you don't know. So you don't need to know because look at what happened. Right, right. So it's like... When like, you know. Right, when you know that you know, right? <laughs> but so it's this idea, though, of also kind of interrogating the stories that we have consumed that kind of have warned us uh-huh. in it, it, to stay in our place. And so much of this conversation really leads me to really wanting to implore, to fiercely implore women who are listening to go into the mess, go toward the knowing, because there's a part inside you that knows that there's more that there's magic and magnificence. And I think the key here is to be willing to be cast out of the garden, knowing that you can get back in anytime you want. Wow. That's beautiful, Monica. (laughs) Well, you're the one that helped me create this amazing (laughs) conversation. I'm over here like, damn, man, this this is just awesome. So I want to ask you a couple more questions. Here's where my curiosity goes. When you talk about Ascended Masters, my first question is, who are some of the Ascended Masters that you look toward? Because I make up that Ascended Masters are appealing to you because of the path that they took to gain freedom and of that, like it all gets to belong, like peace and freedom with, uh-huh. with, who, with who they are, with how they lived, that there was a wisdom that came through all of the ways in which they finally achieved their ascended, ascendedness. And I think of ascended as higher perspective, not necessarily yes. as, right, what a lot of people might tend to make that mean. And this is not about spiritually bypassing. In fact, I think if I were to look at one of the ascended masters, I would say Jesus. And Jesus- That's the first one I was that was going to say. Dang. Right. All right. Yeah. And, and Jesus, I, I think the thing that made Jesus so- remarkable and beautiful is that he didn't try not to be human. He was both human and divine. Exactly. He was both wild and holy. Right. We forget that, you know, he wept in the garden of Gethsemane. Like, I don't want to do this. Like he wept and, you know, he got down. He was disappointed by his friends, the disciples. He's like, can you stay up and pray with me? And like, they didn't, you know, it was just all these, you know, it was, it was multiple stories. So we just, focus on the crucifixion crucifixion story and you know his ascension but his life was always it was full of here I am and I'm disappointed and I'm still choosing to love and I'm gonna overcome but I know this purpose of what I need to do and I just keep having this boundary and keep going forward in the meantime I will continue to share my message with others and they can come along. But if they don't, I I have to do what I am called to do. So that's a a big message 
that um, has come through from that Ascended Master. And even when, like for me, like I said, being an empath and a healer and like just extending my energy out to so many people to where I was selfless and I'm depleted, I went back and looked and it was like, oh, Jesus would go and spend time by himself and pray. Mm. And I had the revelation that he knew what city to travel to. He knew what person he was going to heal. He knew the person he was going to heal. It wasn't the whole city all the time. Mm-mm. It wasn't everybody. Mm-mm. It was a specific. So it's like, Andrea, set a boundary. Like, get your directions. Are you even supposed to step into this? You're stepping into all of these spaces. And is that your purpose in this moment to give yourself in that way? Mm. So... Yes, that is. <laughs> yeah, so that 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 was that that was a big big lesson because when you're open and when you're in that space, people come. Yeah, you know, the energy vampires. People come and they're oh, like, well, why, yes. "Why? Why can't you do this? Why don't you help me? You're able to help me." And so when I was immature and I didn't know and I didn't have my boundaries and I didn't understand my gift and the work that I was supposed to do and wanting to be beautiful and everything to everyone, I was pouring out and that wasn't, wasn't a good thing for them or me, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not, I'm not standing in the right space. I wasn't aligned rooted and yes, I wasn't in the garden. <laughs> I, wasn't, I had cast myself out and then I'm trying to give to you from this depleted kind of cast out, Place. Not yes. I think this metaphor really works for us, Andrea. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it, does. it does. So tell does. me, tell me some other ascended masters that you've kind of really looked at. Definitely tapped into Buddha mm-hmm. and just the story of being rich, being poor, just, you know, and it's like, oh, that the, the Buddhism definitely helped with my attachment to outcomes and surrendering and kind of like my hands off and trusting and knowing that it's all working out the way it's supposed to be, that my desires and and it's working out also for my benefit. So I don't have to grovel. I don't have to lament. I don't have to push and pull someone else. And the Buddha moved me into accepting the messiness, like letting the wild and the holy, like it's all, it's all together being in the Buddhism. It's like, it's all together because once I surrender, I'm in it, but I'm not in it. You know what I, you know what it brings up for me that I love is one of the books that really saved my life was When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so funny because what comes up is this conversation about, because I remember one of the things that really confused me with the Buddhist faith, because that was, that really made a lot of sense to me when I was in my dark night of the soul. It was like, yes. that, that was really teaching me all of this ways to kind of lovingly hold myself with compassion and curiosity. And one of the things that would really get me kind of mixed up was this idea of compassion. And then I love how Pema is like, there's compassion, and then there's idiot compassion. Uh And I was like, oh, 
OMG, there it is. There's compassion and then there's compassion without boundaries. And that would be called idiot compassion. And as a female, I felt that sometimes the idiot compassion was expected of me. Yeah. And that was a struggle. Yes. Well, I love this conversation too, because one of the ascended masters that has really had a lot to teach me in this lifetime, and especially in the last several years, is Mary Magdalene Mm. with the divine feminine energy. And I think one of the things that is often been a disservice Mm -hmm. to so many of us women is that we haven't known, first of all, Mm -hmm. when, when we kind of look at through the lens of spirituality, many of these teachers are available to us. But if we look through the lens of religion, there's usually kind of one ascended master that we follow or praise or practice around. And yet there's so many of these masters archetypes that have so much wisdom to teach us. And Mm -hmm. especially one of the things that I'm really recognizing in the world right now is the emergence and the return of the divine feminine energy. Absolutely. Mary Magdalene, of course, as you know, was very much maligned. Mm-hmm. She was, again, back to that story similar to Eve in the garden. I don't know if y'all noticed this, but every story that's ever been told about a woman is about how bad and wrong and, mm-hmm. you know, slutty correct, she is, right? Correct. Like, like, what the hell? Like, the men could have multiple wives, but every time an affair is referred to in the Bible, it's a woman. Right. And, and of course, so we've, we've got to reexamine all those damn stories, but, but not today. Okay. But, but my point being that, you know, her, she is, she is fierce. She's warrior energy and she's mm-hmm. also love. And actually the fascinating part is fidelity, right? She's actually all about fidelity. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's so fascinating because. Again, she's been maligned as exactly the opposite. Correct. And, you know, I mean, I'm going to actually look up the definition of fidelity because, again, it's not probably what we think it is. Right. And so they shifted her name because she really was a priestess. Yes. And they shifted it to, I'm not even going to say the word. (laughs) Yeah. She was uh, considered a prostitute. Mm Mm-hmm. Fidelity is all about faithfulness. And, right. That's not and, and here's what and the other thing is who she was faithful to first and foremost was herself. Was herself and to Jesus mm-hmm. and to her belief. And so again, I look at this this piece that we're kind of exploring and getting into as we kind of consider back to this very, very messy time in our lives that This is part of the ascension process. Yes, the feminine must rise as well. We need both. And to to not have the feminine well, there's no way the masculine can be well. That's right. It's just unbalanced. And you're right, the archetypes and different stories, and which is why another goddess that I am fascinated with is Freya. Oh, Freya, yes. (laughs) And I'm fascinated with Freya because from my understanding, Freya as the queen is the only queen that could sit on the king's throne. So there was like an equal partnership. 
So that's very important to me. You know, not that she, not only was she a warrior, but she was seen as a as a partner, not you know under the king, but a partner to the king. And that I believe is where we're moving to. Because I believe the masculine is tired as well. I believe oh, they're like, yes. what? Yeah, they're like, they need healing. They're tired. They're like, oh, what, what, what is going on? And the feminine, you know, is healing and coming forth. And we're finding our voices and raising our voices. And, you know, I believe that there, we'll, we'll learn the dance, that that's truly what this ascension process is about, about us learning the dance, to dance with each other. And not have to overpower or, you know, overstep or diminish one another. It's time. It's really time. And I, I want to, as we kind of wrap up our beautiful, beautiful conversation, <laughs> I wanted to invite you to just really tell our audience where they can find you, where they can follow you, how they can kind of explore with more curiosity, maybe even working with you. All right. I would love to work with you and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at beautiful soul sessions and also beautiful soul sessions.com as well as Andrea Michelle Mosley.com. And there's also on um, our website or even if Instagram, there's a link to, we have some free content as well. Some affirmations. There's a romance kind of workbook again, because it's very important to us that you dig into this love for yourself so that you can create that in the world and within your personal world around you. I know that a lot of that compassion and love, that's what we need, that belonging. So there's some, some free things as well. So I would love to work with you. Oh, I love that. I love the romance workbook. I, I want to get curious about that. <laughs> Maybe we do a whole nother conversation on that, Andrea. Sure, because there's a workbook and there's an ebook called Absolute Love. And they are actually love poems that just kind of like, you know, like I said, we have a lot of things in our thought, but kind of like get that trickling, get those juices flowing in your body to feel the love because we, we have to get back, certainly for women to feeling, you know, being okay with feeling it all, with feeling it all. It's, it's for us. Oh, yeah, feeling it all. So, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here. And so if, if you don't know, then just say so. Of course you will. But <laughs> is there a love poem that's your favorite? Oh, I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't. So there are so many of them. I don't have one off the top of my head. There, it's a really short, sweet, sweet book. But, you know, it will get you in the mood. <laughs> I'll just say. Oh, good. Just, I love, I'm I love just going to say it, that. Just from people that have read, from feedback, testimonies from people that have read the book, have shared that it has inspired them in their romance relationships and some it has inspired them to shift yeah. in their relationships. So I love that. My brother is a poet and uh, po I always mm. look at poetry as kind of being such a transformational tool. I think we can get sometimes reading poetry what we can't get with other pieces of writing. It's just there's some way that poetry just moves us, shifts us, transforms us. I know that one of 
one of the time when I was just going into a dark night of the soul, I came across the poem The Journey by Mary Oliver. And I'll never mm-hmm. ever forget it. Love her. Work. Was because it mm-hmm. was this idea of and to to our point today, it was this poem about how she knew that the only life she could save was her own. And she had to start there first. And it was this idea that she needed to go on the journey back home to herself before she could fix anything yes. out there. So I really just want to thank you. I want to honor this conversation, Andrea. And just, again, it's been such a delight to really just get to know you more deeply. And I, I can't wait for more to be revealed. Thank you so much, Monica, for having me. It was wonderful. I mean, you're a fantastic host. And this just the questions and the conversation, your energy and spirit is beautiful. Thank you. Well, all right. Now, you all know where to find her and look for us in email. If you haven't signed up yet, just go to join the revelation and you'll get our new podcast episodes in your email box every Wednesday. More to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.